What's up, fan bros? Today's episode of The Fan Bro Show is brought to you by Loot Crate, as always. This month's theme I'm really excited about because it speaks to the engineer in me. The theme is Build. It features items from places like Lego, Batman, Power Rangers, Tetris, and everywhere else you could think of. So head down to lootcrate.com slash fanbros and enter the code FANBROS right now so you can save on any new subscription. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. Welcome, internets, to another episode of Fan The show where the bros are fans or something to that extent. It's your boy, DJ Ben Hameen, a.k.a. the Anti-Trife Equation, a.k.a. Arsenio Holodeck, a.k.a. The Captain Kirk of Hip Hop, a.k.a. the Butcher of Names, here on the Spaceship on Fan Bros Show for all nerds, the voice of the urban geek, the multicultural maestros. And as always, I am joined by Tatiana King-Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as the Ahura of the Spaceship, the Black Russian, the Black Rogue, Maz Zarati Kanata, Deuce Piccolo, the Phantom Menace to F Society, and Chance the Parappa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Phantom Menace to F Society. You like that one. Ooh, you like that? Ooh. That shit is fire. <laughs> to give okay, me my props, is that right? Okay, okay, okay. New butters from yeah. Tatiana King <laughs> herself. And yes, you know, other butters that I just got to give everybody a big thank you right now. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you to everyone following Fanbro Show on Twitter because today we reached that big six G's, six stacks. Thank you to all the followers, all the friends, all the family out there. Like we say, we are for all nerds. You hear it in the theme song every week. And we just want to thank everyone for being out there. And lately, y'all, y'all, y'all just been popping. You know, we're doing yeah. a 28-day challenge this month, you know, celebrating Black History Month. You know, we know it's the shortest month of the year, et cetera, et cetera. We know we should be celebrating Black History <laughs> all year. And, you know, we also know that we are creating Black History every day just yes. by being alive. Yes, But <laughs> in the meantime, in between time, we got this 28-day challenge going down. The first day, the question was, what was it, the what character – um. I might have lost the, the words. What's the first comic book character? I don't know if you relegated to comic book, but what's the first comic book character that you've ever resonated with? Mm, like the yeah. very, very first one. Yes. I answered that question. I mentioned Max from Batman Beyond. Who like, is Max from Batman Beyond? She's I know Batman the black Batman girl Beyond. with pink okay. hair. Ah, His nice. best friend. Nice. The nice. one that is mad smart. The one that's into tech. I mean, mm-hmm. does that sound familiar already? She's black. She yep. pretty like uh hello. <laughs> no, nah, but that Very that was my person. Yeah, and I answered at first, I answered with Static Shock, who definitely is and it was really static before Static Shock, the comic book. Mm. Because there's uh an a, just a stupid issue of static where I mean the whole series was amazing, 
But there's an issue where he first loses his virginity to his girlfriend. It was extremely controversial at the time. Like the cover. They show that on the. Oh, yeah. You have told no, me about that. No. And the funniest thing. Well, not funny, but the thing is on the cover, they're in an embrace. There's like condoms on the dresser. I mean, yes, still in a wrapper, you know, but they're fully clothed and everything. And they covered it because it was two black people, you know, expressing love for each other. That is what, you know, word on the street, word on the net, word on everything. Wow. Since then is the reason because there wasn't really it wasn't that women weren't shown in much more sexual you know, positions on comic books like that's Yeah, right. You know, Jim <laughs> Lee was popping at the time. You know, this was the 90s. It was going down. You know, women were basically drunk wearing thongs in the X-Men. So it's like, <laughs> come on now. There's no way. But yeah, that's what happened. And in the issue, they don't show anything. It, the issue actually ends with Virgil, you know, static entering his girlfriend's apartment and, you know, the door closes and that's the end of the issue. But hmm. it's just, uh, just amazing. And I related to it heavy. So definitely static, you know, before the static shock, I never even watched a cartoon. I can't even lie to y'all. I know it's dope. And I know a lot of people got introduced to the character that way, but that just, you know, it was that comic. Shout out to Milestone, everybody involved, just classic stuff right there. Wow. So, yeah, we're going to have more of those, of course, you know, coming every day for the next 27 days, you know, however many left we got in February. <laughs> you know, of course. Depending on when you listen to this podcast. True, true that, true. <laughs> and, you know, as Tatiana said last month, it was her born day month. And, you know, this month, it might be, a, might be someone else's born day month. <laughs> you know, I don't know. You know, someone who hosts this show. Nah. Oh God, not That's with that voice. Say on that, yeah. So you know, it's popping for February, basically. And you know, like I said, thank you to everyone following us at Fan Bros Show. You know, the four all nerds, multicultural maestros. You know how it goes down. Thank you so much. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, YouTube, all those different things. Facebook. You know, just hit us up. You know, come see what we're doing. We popping out here, and we love you for it. But, man, I, you know, this one, I know a lot of people are going to, you know, disagree with me here. But today, this week, whenever the news came out, there was a lot of different rumors about who would actually play him in the movie. But now it is Yaya. I hope I got that right. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go with Yaya. I think it's Yaya. Abdul Mateen Father guy. who, in the second, was cast as Black Manta in Aquaman. An actual black guy was cast as Black Manta. Wow! Yes, wow. They actually gave it. They actually gave it to us. Black Manta, Black Man. No, I get it. I get. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. I mean, <laughs> the, the the best the best panel ever with Black Manta is like in the back when he was first came out, and at one point Aquaman's fighting him, and he doesn't know who's underneath his helmet, so he pulls off his helmet, and he's like, basically, yo, you didn't realize, you know, that's why my name is Black Manta, because I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so that actually happened? I mean, he doesn't say those exact words. Well, I'm about to say, okay, that sounds so on the nose. I'm close to those exact words. And so, yeah, I mean, Black Manta is also one of Aquaman's premier, if not, you know, his premier villain. He's been in every incarnation from comics to television to cartoons, everything he's ever done. So... You got to expect it, but at the same time, yo, I just really feel like they could have gone another direction and not cast a black man as Black Manta. Well, that's what I'm saying. I thought they were going to do it with the Iron Fist treatment. Like, I, mm. I didn't expect that. That's why I mm. that's why I said what I said. Like, I, I just assumed that they were just going to cast whomever. Forget the source material. Nah, not I don't on trust this them. one. 
and, and people <laughs> have asked me before about that, like my feelings on why do am I mad about Black Lightning, you know, and Black Manta. I mean, I'm not mad about Black Panther, obviously, but Black Lightning. Like, what the hell is a, what the fuck is a Black Lightning? Like, <laughs> like is that ever happened in normal conversation? Oh, look at that lightning over there. It's black. Like, <laughs> what? Like, what the? It's a black lightning. And, and there's this classic um sketch from uh what's the joint? The uh, uh Harvey Birdman, the lawyer. And it has um not black lightning, but the uh, Shazam, Black Shazam. I'm not sure what the dude's name is, but he's being tried in court and he basically screams on Aquaman for naming him this in the first place. He's like, Y'all wanted to be called Lightning Man, but Aquaman was like, nah, you know, you're black, so you should be black lightning. And he's like, Well, we don't call you white fish. And it's so, just, you know. Once again, is this the actual dialogue or no, DJ Ben Amin's dialogue? That is the actual dialogue. And you think I named myself Black Vulcan? Hell no. I used to go by Super Vote. Black Vulcan was Aquaman's idea. And I said, well, maybe we should just call you Whitefish. When they asked me about it before, I tweeted at them, like, this is why wow. I don't want the to be called Black Lightning. It's, because it's, it's just, wow. yeah, it's ridiculous. And that's, Black that's Manta really... pretty much falls under the same way. You know, you can't just be Manta. You know, you got to be Black Manta. Black like, Manta. what the hell is a Black Manta? I mean, I, I'm not sure if that's an animal. I'm, I, if it is, it's probably the one that they think is the worst one. So I, you know, don't want to see that either way. But we will, as well as possibly Nicole Kidman being uh, Aquaman's mom, mm -hmm. which is another interesting thing because Jason Momoa, even though he is half mad Italian, tan. Mad tan. Mad tan. Italian, but he's also Samoan and mad tan. Nicole Kidman, <laughs> not so much tan. You know? So couldn't they make his mom, I don't know, look like him a little bit? You know, I mean, DNA? I mean, she's a no? lighter shade of brown, you know? No. And the mom, I mean, the dad, you know, could just be anyone. I mean, who knows? You know, Couldn't get anybody from the Pacific Islands? No? None of, none of that? <sighs> no? I mean, he's Maybe in the Mariana some. Strand. I mean, I mean, yeah. Okay. You know. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm... Jason Momoa's bodyguards definitely aren't, you know, from the Pacific Islands. Oh, the mini bosses? Yeah. <laughs> his mini bosses definitely aren't. So, you know, his mom, why not either? But, yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't I, write the movie. So, whatever. Good luck. I, I mean, good luck is basically what you got to say to every DC production these days. And, you know, speaking on that, like, we, we can't forget to mention real quick, Ben Affleck out. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, you know, after like <laughs> when that news came across my timeline, I had to put like a sideways face because it's just like here we go again. It's just like here we go again. Trust it's just it's, it's the same thing. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. And the shit fucks up. And then we're supposed to we supposed to just be like, Oh, it's all right. No, nigga, like what? No. Yeah. No. No, no, no. So here we go again. Ben Affleck is not going to be directing the new or the next Batman flick. He's still obviously going to be playing Batman, but he's not directing anymore. Who's being. directing? Who the fuck? No, no, he ain't going to do it. Trust me. When, you, don't when, think, you don't think he'll do When people show you who they like, are, believe out. them. When people, i.e. DC, show you who they are, believe them. Yes. But, you, I mean. But what? Before he was like, I'm fully committed he, before, to this joint. And then he today, started saying. I first, was first, like, nah, right? Nah. Yeah, he started. He said he was out. committed. Then he started backsliding. Then he said. Yeah. Then before today, he said, "I'm not sure." He mm -hmm. literally said, "I'm not sure." A day ago. Yeah, he, he said literally it. said, "I'm not sure." A day ago, and then today, oh, I'm not doing it. So he's not doing it. No, he said, "If 
the script ain't right, it's not, I'm not doing it. And that really begs the question because also the Batman versus Superman writer who also wrote both of these Justice League joints coming up uh, is turned in his draft of the Batman script. Oh, what a coincidence. I mean, for reals. Like, uh, I don't, you know, it's like you said, when people show you who they are and DC has shown <laughs> us who they are. They've so shown us their ass on numerous occasions. Now, is that going to prevent me from watching the movie when it ends up coming out? Hell no, I'm all Hell over no. Hell all no. They won. Hell no. However, am I going to be like, yo, I'm going to run and see it? Not necessarily. Looks like a TKO to me. But I am still looking out for Wonder Woman. Oh, yes. Yes, please. I'm still giving that. I'm still giving that like a hall pass for life. (laughs) 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 I just I just need this to be good. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got to do it. You know, sometimes you got to take those bullets. I went and saw a meteor man. You know, sometimes you got to, you know, and I understand people say, well, that's not fair to put so much pressure on this movie, but for all of the no's we get, it's just like, regardless of what anybody tells you, they, they need for this to be good. Mm-hmm. They really do. Yes. Please believe it. And with that, you know, we're going to take a quick break. But fan bros, let me tell you, we got something super special lined up <sighs> next. Wow. Y'all not ready. Yeah. Wait y'all, on. Are, y'all are not ready. Just like I wasn't ready for Beyonce and her twins. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I doubt Jay-Z was either. <laughs> As always, thanks again to Luke Cray for supporting this week's episode of The Fanbro Show. As you guys should know, and if you don't know, learn. And if once you learn, pass it along. But Loot Crate offers everything that is dope and exclusive in pop culture and geek culture. And they do it for less than 20 bucks a month. So regardless if you're shopping for somebody or you're just trying to treat yourself, make sure you do the right thing. Go to LootCrate.com slash FanBros. Use the code FanBros to save on your subscription. Treat yourself. February is Black History Month and you know what we do we build and that's actually the same exact theme of loot crate this month it actually features some dope shit like mighty Morphin power rangers batman lego dimensions tetris really amazing stuff and as always you get your monthly t-shirt and your loot pin you've got into the 19th at 9 p.m pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate and when a cutoff happens that's it it's over. So make sure to head down to lootcrate.com slash fanbros and enter the code fanbros to save on any new subscription today. Welcome back, Internets. I hope you've been enjoying this episode of Fan Bros Show. Right now, we have a very, very special guest joining us in the spaceship tonight. Tonight, we have Lexi Alexander, director of the Academy Award-nominated Johnny Flinton, as well as Green Street and Punisher Warzone. In addition, she's also a former world champion in both point fighting and karate. So if you have a problem with her on Twitter, (laughs) make sure you keep it civil. 
<laughs> Welcome to the spaceship, Lexi. How you doing tonight? Thank you. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Oh, no. Thank you. It's a blessing to have you on here. We've definitely been working on this for a while, and, you know, we finally have you here. So right off the bat, you know, a lot of our listeners, you know, we're Fan Bro Show, the voice of the urban geek, the multicultural maestros. So a lot of our listeners are going to know you as the director of Punisher Warzone. All perhaps, right. yeah, the best, perhaps the best and easily the most brutal of the takes on the character of the Punisher. But um, first off, when you were offered the job, you didn't know anything about him, right? I did not, no. I, um, I grew up with uh, European comics mostly, um, so I wasn't, I wasn't in that scene at all. Um, and I remember that somebody at some point sent me like an entire box of them and it took me like two days to get through it. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you read was the Punisher Max series? I'm not sure if it was the first thing, but it was the first thing that I thought, oh, wow, this looks good, sounds good. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it was the one that I stuck to immediately. Also, I, I, th I thought the art was beautiful. Um, I thought the way he was portrayed in that series was, uh, you know, the way I could really visualize this character. I liked the storylines. And, you know, there, there's a certain humor to this character that... Um, I'm not sure if it ever translated well on screen, to be honest, but uh, I remember precisely, you know, this one, I can't remember in what issue it was, but, you know, somebody, one one of the bad guys says to this kid, um, if you're not quiet, I'm going to serve you your balls in a coffee cup. And the next, <laughs> like, frame, you see the guy with his looking in a cup at, at his balls swimming. <laughs> And I looked at that and I thought, oh, oh, I got it. This is like fucking funny over the top humor, you know? And to me, that was like the defining moment of how do you justify this much uh, violence? And, and you know, people disagree with this. Like Kurt Sutter's uh, script was very different. Um, and there's people who think that, you know, the film should have been much more reality based. And there's something to it, you know, there's definitely a different kind of thinking about this. But to me, that ball in the cup moment was this defining moment of I get the humor of over the top violence. And so that's what I decided to do. Mm. Well, I've been a fan of the Punisher forever, but the Punisher Max series that features that ball in the cup moment mm -hmm. is definitely one of my favorite takes on him. Do and you remember though... what issue it was? Because I'm oh, forever trying to remember. I know, but I can definitely find out. I'll let you know on Twitter and I'll let all the fans know. I know that it takes place during the Man of Stone series yeah. when he's fighting against the Russian. Um, It's like this Russian general that he's fighting against. Right. Yeah. But that whole it was definitely realistic, but it was also, as you say, quite over the top. No, well, you know, it, you know, it depends on what realistic is. I mean, even like the, you know, uh, there's a lot of violence in my movie that I took out of, um, I mean, I literally adapted it frame by frame. Like, I don't know if you remember McGindy on the fence and the foot stepping on his head, like that's literally taken frame by frame from the comic books. So to me, I'm not sure how realistic that is. Um, but you know, there, there's a sense of like, you know, there's, there's definitely a sense of like, this could happen, but then he, you know, punishes is always kind of slightly goes over the top. Nobody's going to serve somebody their balls in a cup. 
But certainly people have been had their balls cut off, you know. <laughs> oh, I had to rewatch it, you know, to get ready for this. And like there were just so many moments in it. But one of the moments that really where I was sitting there rewinding it and I just had to ask you, like, were there any times when you thought, OK, this went too far? Because the moment where I rewound it and I was just like, oh, wow, I can't believe she did that was when he punches the guy in his face and basically like caves his whole No, that was my favorite moment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that was my favorite moment. And especially like when you prepare all this stuff and like your special effects guy has to like make the head and oh no, all of that stuff was my favorite moment. I mean, I, I loved all that stuff because I mean, you know, again, like I feel like, see to me, I can detach I actually do fight, you know, and so, you know, it's, it would be almost you, I mean, it definitely would be humanly impossible to, to break somebody's face like that, you know, so I felt like that was kind of his elevated superhero status, because he doesn't really have any superpowers, right? Um, But Mm -hmm. that was it. He's just like, his fucking will to destroy just goes beyond, you know, human (laughs) possibility. And I love that. I thought it was fantastic. No, I thought it was fantastic, too, because it was one of those things where I had to rewind it. And I was like, wait, wait, that didn't just happen, right? That, that That's not just what happened. And yes, the Punisher puts his fist, you know, through someone's skull, through their face, into the wall. It, I mean, it's beautiful, but at the same time, just completely just one of the most brutal things I've seen on film. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you are so You are so welcome. And thank you for it as well. Um, so that begs the question, like when you went from knowing nothing about him, did you grow to love the Punisher? Oh, I definitely did. See that, that was the big thing. I definitely, definitely, uh, uh, grew to love this guy. And, and there's a certain, um, you know, I've always had this very black and white thinking myself about what's right and wrong. I spent a lot of uh, money at the shrink for it. (laughs) (laughs) Who's trying to get me to see gray zones because in Hollywood, when you work in Hollywood, it's not good to see things black and white uh, Mm. in terms of good and evil, because my God, you won't have a lot of friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you do have to kind of understand that, you know, people often move in gray zones, especially in a town like this. And so, but my my own natural instinct is that good and evil is very black and white. And I have always loved revenge stories. Who doesn't, right? And so this idea that this entire, that this guy, uh, his entire drive comes from the fact that his family got brutally killed, I could totally relate to that. And also this idea of, He's just going to get rid of the bad guys. There's no, like, there's a lot of superheroes flop around and they don't do killing. That's not the Punisher's game, you know? (laughs) And I I like that, you know? No, that's, like I say, he's always been one of my favorites. And that's why I really love Punisher Warzone so much because it took so much from that whole Max series where it was just all the way to the top. That's what I loved. He kept introducing, and you did the same thing. You would introduce these really colorful villains and then he would just kill them. And there's no like, right. okay, they'll be back for the sequel. No, they're dead. That's it. Here's some more yeah. colorful villains and he'll kill them too. 
Exactly. That's what I love about it. Like he can't walk around and like shake hands with somebody. Like you, you should always be on the edge with him that the minute he decides that you're bad, he's just going to fucking shoot your head off. Like another favorite scene of mine was, which I have to say, even after like making it and watching it 20 times is when Colin Salmon's character stands there and he thinks he's going to take this guy away, you know, on in handcuffs and, and the punisher with a kid on his arm, just shoots the motherfucking guy's head off like to me i still laugh about that <laughs> because he's probably thinking like why why waste a prison cell for this douche you know mm-hmm. and i mean the punisher does at least you know shield the child's head right so he doesn't have i mean she doesn't have to exactly right, see but it come but... on still you know like he doesn't give a fuck you know like i love that about him i thought it was great he he was like not having it like i'm not watching this guy go to a trial get out because he has money for a lawyer like he's not doing it and then you know the other guy's reaction colin's reaction of going you know castle you know i i i just i live for characters like that i mean i i do as well and that's also like so are you i mean the punisher warzone definitely reminds me of 80s action films so are you a fan of 80s action huge films? and by the way that was a huge pitch of mine <laughs> when i came in and i mean they had already offered me the movie right but I was actually turning it down a couple of times. It was such a crazy time. Um, and then they offered it again. Uh, I, they wanted John Dahl first, and uh, then he passed. Um, and I didn't want, because I didn't even know the character. I also thought, like, oh, they already made this movie twice. And um, But then they kind of insisted. There was a lot of talking me into this. And um, when I finally decided, yes, uh, you know, even though there was an offer, you still kind of have to go in and actually say to the people who pay money for this, well, what is your actually take? What is your actual take? So that we all agree. And my take was very much, I, you know, I would like to do a throwback to the eighties because remember, you know, this was a time where, yes, we already had some of the expensive comic book movies, but not like we do now. We had like a couple. Okay. We had like the people were talking about the dark Knight and stuff like that as like the major thing but they were only giving me 22 million dollars below the line so what i'm not gonna make dark knight with 22 million dollars <laughs> so i had to like find a what do you make with this money and with this character you know um so that to me was the best solution you know i mean it was a fantastic solution because movies like that aren't getting made anymore one and the 80s action films are like the apex of action. So oh, my God. Have... This is the, the, why aren't we making movies like that anymore? I just talked the other day about Tango and Cash. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. I mean, like I could go on for everything. I grew up with those movies, right? I, I know I miss them. You have to look at it if you don't know about it. I think I've shouted out on the show before, but it's uh, RooflessReviews.com or Roofless Reviews on Twitter. They review pretty much every 80s action film ever, and it's just genius oh, really? writing. And um, I spent, like, nights just going through their archives. Are you serious? I'm going to totally yes. find it. Get lost <laughs> forever. <laughs> yes, it's so beautiful. <laughs> um, Have you seen the Netflix take on The Punisher? I have, and um, I like that, too. I'm actually, I you know, I looked at it and I thought, oh, yeah, that's totally a way to go. Um, <laughs> You know, again, though, you know, different situation, like they coming out of one TV show that's already mm. set up, they brought him in as a guest character, they figured it out, is this something we can do? I think Burnt Hall is fantastic in it. Um, and I, I like that version too. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's going to be, that's going to be great. 
I mean, to be honest, I brought this up at one point, um, and I don't know where I brought it up, on some kind of YouTube show or something, and it caused, like, quite a commotion, but, (laughs) you know, as I do, mostly. But there's something to be said, and I wonder if you agree with me on this, okay? You know, we we are now living in a very different time, okay? Mm. I'm not sure the lone white guy running around shooting anybody <laughs> is a good idea right now right so you know we have we have like reinvented almost every character and i still think the punisher is a great idea i'm honestly i just don't know if if it should be this white guy because honestly it's like this you know this whole lone wolf white terrorism stuff is so out of hand that mm. it just let me tell you something. Part of the reason why I first turned this movie down was it was in the week they offered it to me in the same week that the Virginia tech guy did that shooting, that mm. mass shooting, right? And I'm watching a newscast and that guy in his room had a poster of the Punisher. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, I'm not doing that. Okay. So, and this is not the first one. I've heard this now several times that a lot of these guys have a poster or are Punisher fans, you know? And God, you know, when I saw American Sniper, like that whole unit of his had the Punisher logo. So it's starting to become slightly uncomfortable for me, to be honest. I mean, if it were me, if people would ask me to reinvent it again, I would not leave the Punisher to be a white man. I just wouldn't do it. You know, that's such an interesting idea. And like his core, you know, values really don't have to be a white dude. So that works perfectly because, you know, anybody could have been been in Vietnam. I mean, majority of the times it would have been a person of color before as a white dude anyway. Correct. Correct. And yeah. And so all his whole history and I, but I've never thought of that. But like, I definitely agree with you on that. And I'm really interested to see what Marvel does with Iron Fist next before they even get to the Punisher, <laughs> because Iron Fist is one of my I favorite think characters. That's... I know, but yeah, they should have also thought about who they're casting. <laughs> to be honest, I, I mean, mean it, I, it, was, it takes a yeah. lot for me not to comment on those pictures. You know how much discipline <laughs> it takes for me not to comment. Every time I see a picture, I'm just like, "Don't do it, Lexi. Don't do it." It's hard for me, you know. What really hurt my feelings was when I saw the guy who's now playing the villain and, you know, when he was like, I auditioned for Iron Fist and went through several chances and they turned me down. And I look at him compared to Danny Rand and it's like, dog, like you're the you're the hero right here. You know? Can you Danny imagine? Can weak. you imagine going through that? And then them like nobody having an understanding what the Asian American community meant when they were pushing for an Asian Danny Rand. Like people were mm-hmm. clueless. Why are you saying this? He should be an outsider. And they were like, yo, you don't think we're outsiders in America? Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, it's unbelievable how clueless people are. And and in a sense, you know, I really felt bad because, um, you, you know, it's it's the same mistake. Now I can't think of the Kung Fu, the legend. You know, like I mean, literally, it's like a repetition of this. You know. Oh my God, to say the least. And I mean, yeah, it's just, it's so, it's one. And and then people have the other side of the argument where they want to say, well, you know, if he's an Asian lead and he's a martial artist, then it's a stereotype. But I'd much prefer that stereotype and give people a chance to see themselves on screen than 
you know, this stereotype. Well, I don't know who started that. That that seems like such a counterproductive like thing to put out there because I always think back of like Bruce Lee. He was like our only Asian movie star and he was a martial artist, right? I mean, and especially when you grow up like me, all in martial arts. I mean, he was like the king of kings, right? But mm. America, like, allowed one. It's the same with, like, my people, Arabs. Like, we were just talking about it. They allowed one Omar Sharif. They never allowed us another one. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, right? Because I honestly think there's this, like, fear of, like, oh, shit. Well, you know, because Bruce Lee, look, he, he I mean, he was, he, he was like Elvis, you know, to women, to men. Like, he was, everybody wanted to be him. Women wanted to sleep with him probably men as well. <laughs> but um, the point was, I think that it became dangerous. And, um, and it, it, it just annoys me very much this whole idea of like, oh, let's cast them in nothing because we don't want them to be martial artists because that's insulting to them. No, why don't you let them decide, you know, and clearly the uh, Asian American community said we would rather have an Asian Danny Rand. And it's time too. like allow us another Bruce Lee for crying out loud. I mean, to, yeah, it's and it's one of those scenes where I also feel that sometimes they'll have it's a divide and conquer tactic. They'll be like, OK, well, we gave you this. You know, you you have like you got your black superhero. You know, everyone should be happy. Or then, you know, here's your one, you know, Asian centered TV show. Everyone should be happy instead of like, why not just continue, you know, doing what may, one makes money and pleases everyone. I totally agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. But just on a side note, they don't even give us our one Arab. <laughs> no, I <laughs> they know. They won't give I us know. an Arab, damn I it. <laughs> I know. Since then, you know, doing The Punisher and everything, you've also done an episode of Arrow, one of Limitless, and also Supergirl. So it's yeah. like you've been wrapped up in this superhero world now. And is it because that they know you're going to kick ass at it? Or are you just <laughs> really getting into this, you know, comic book universe etc um not really i think that uh you know look to be honest i couldn't get into tv forever people always think that oh well surely movie people have an easy time they would not let me in at all and then at some point the noise of there's no women directors and there's no people of color directors uh, that got really loud and people thought they had to do something. And then somebody discovered that, um, you know, Punisher director was, you know, an Arab woman. And so I got a call. I mean, really, that's how it was. Um, I don't mm. think if there was there, there was no like, hey, she would be fucking great for that. That wasn't the case. Now, once I did the, uh, the first job, uh, Arrow, you know, then it became more of a thing like, oh, shit, she actually knows what she's doing. And <laughs> let's have her do this. But, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's hard for me on Twitter because there's a lot of like, oh, Lexi, why don't you do this show? And why don't you do this show? And <laughs> I don't know if, if you guys are aware, but this actually got me in trouble once because when people throw that out to me, oftentimes I feel very frustrated because they don't understand that it's not a choice for me. Um, you know, some of the shows that you think would be the easiest for me to get, like it would actually be good for the show to book me. You know, that's what the general public assumes that somebody like me would be a win for them. It would be like, oh, wow, they got Lexi, right? That's how always Twitter sounds. But the reality is much different than that. Mm. Okay, we still can't get our foot in. So one time, um, not too long ago, I was 
directing a show called Taken. And mm. sometimes I do a, a, like a ask me anything when I have night shoots um, because it keeps me is during lunch hour. That's my way of staying awake. Um, and I did this thing and somebody asked me a question, said, uh, oh, you should direct uh, Winona, um, uh, Winona Earp. And I answered kind of like <laughs> bitchy. <laughs> I said, listen, TV is not a buffet for me. I can't just, you know, choose what I want to direct, like the showrunner decides. And this reply comes, I am the showrunner. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It made news all, it was all over the paper. It made news in England. Okay. This was. Oh my God. <laughs> like literally, but the headline, the headline, the most awkward Twitter exchange. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It did. I mean, I had to like snap the one time it was an actual showrunner, which is so ridiculous because the many times I just shut up. But it's just it's going on again right now with the Batman movie and stuff. Right. And, you know, I think people don't realize that. And, I, you know, I really want the, the public to understand that, that, you know, they don't make choices based on who is best for a project. They don't. You know, it's as sad as it is. I wish it would be a meritocracy, but it just simply isn't. Right. Uh, Lexi, in your opinion, what would you say they're making choices based on? <laughs> um, they would probably make choices of like, okay, who is the most like me hmm. and scares me, scares me the least, I would hmm. say. You know, um, I think there's also like a you know, who ha who in this business has made uh, big box office hits? And, you know, if you just think of that, if you think like, you know, I compared to the time I once, we were watching a basketball game. And remember, I'm European. So basketball, not necessarily my thing. Okay. <laughs> but, but it was a bunch of us. We were drama students. We were watching a basketball game and somebody started betting some money. And it, it, the playing were a bunch of, you know, white guys and one black actor. And I, I of course, being completely stereotypical, I was like, I'm betting on Terrence, right? <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, I'm not losing my money. I'm not betting on any of these little white guys. And he was the, he was the worst. I don't think he had ever played basketball in his life. But, but I always remember this because I did like the, the, the thing that you should never do. I made such a stereotypical on decision. The black guy. I did. I, you know, not know, knowing anything about American sports other than, oh, there's a guy named Michael Jordan. <laughs> Well, you were using your context clues. That's what you were doing. I mean, yeah, literally, I, it was the worst thing on the planet. He even laughed at me. He laughed at me for hours. He said, I, I hate basketball. I never, he, said, he was a trauma student, okay? He, he wasn't an athlete, but I made that decision. And I think, to, to be honest, that's how infantile they decide. If mm. you look like Zack Snyder, if you look like Spielberg, I can actually count the amount of white male directors <laughs> who get massive, big, big movies that they shouldn't get, who look exactly like Spielberg did when, yeah. when he started. Oh, oh, kill, oh, kill, oh, oh, oh. And, and I think, I don't know if they do it consciously, okay? I, I think there's a lot of fear. People have mortgages. They have to live in Brantwood or Pacific Palisades. States. Their kids are in private school. 
I swear to you, almost everybody who is an actually in power here is always mortified that they are this close to losing their kids' private school tuition. It's a, it's a nightmare. And so they constantly make decisions based on fear. Mm. And you know what? I think they don't see in me, uh, you know, a Zack Snyder. They don't see in me a Spielberg. They just don't see it. And they don't see it usually in, you know, any people of color, male or female. And that's why for us, it's like we always a white guy comes in, looks like Spike Jones, yeah. and um, he has potential based on his looks. I walk in and I'm a risk based on what I look. Oh, and so true. we have to overcome that. You know, I don't know how we can overcome it. And I really think it's really silly. See, at least I made a decision when I bet on that basketball game <laughs> on actual like there was actually something physical about their stats about it they were you know but to storytelling what the heck you know like storytelling who who you tells you that yeah like this is has nothing to do with physical ability has nothing to do with height like who who made up this this story that you know, white guys are the best storytellers. It's insane. Other white There's guys. Not... <laughs> yeah. Well, correct the mundo. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what you say is very interesting because that's what we try to educate people on when it comes to things like pattern matching because what you describe is exactly that. It's just pattern matching and whether or not people are conscious that they're doing this. And then what, what strikes me as interesting is when you are conscious of this and you still do it anyway, that's when I jump up and I get really irritated. And that's why I'm so pleased to hear people like yourself and others standing up who are vocal and have these platforms to say, hey, do you realize that this is happening? If you do realize it, stop being willfully ignorant. Right. It's, it's, I tell you though, like last year I was still all cocky about it. I was like, Hey, it's not hurting me, but now I can actually feel a major backlash. Like I, I actually think I, I slightly went too far with my big mouse. I can tell now <laughs> that, you know, well, and no, you know what? Don't it's silence costing... yourself. Please don't silence yourself. <laughs> I won't, but you know, there's uh, my friend had this great saying the other day. She said, um, what did she say? Uh, activism, uh, uh, activism, costs money or needs to be you need to be able to afford activism uh, and she's absolutely right yes because let me tell you this is costing me now a lot of money like i have serious backlash on like there's now people you know and obviously i'm you know when you go after mediocre white guys <laughs> when they're 90 percent basically hollywood and then every camp it's difficult because, you know, they don't like it. And so my name will come up and my name always comes up with other, you know, other women or other people of color in comparison. And not everybody is an activist in that field. And I don't blame them, okay? It does take courage to, like, say these things out loud. And some of them have kids and they, they're just happy that they're finally working. So who are they? Like, if I'm up against eight other names mm. and they have their two diversity spots... They're not going to take the loud mouse. And this keeps happening now mm. all the time. And to the point where, you know, all my agents in Manchester said, they said, Lex, look, you have got to tone it down for your own uh, you know, safety. Because, yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's a struggle for me because on the one hand, like, I don't want to be blackmailed into shutting up about this but on the other hand like it's not going to serve anybody if if i'm on the street and not working at all you know that's very true that's so true <laughs> and and I know, and, and what you also said just about that you you mentioned the diversity spots 
that must make you, or uh, you tell me how you feel, but the fact that there are these slots that are quote unquote diversity slots, meaning, oh, it's for a woman, a woman of color or whatever. But what about whatever happened to, is there talent there? It's just, well, it's, it's there. We are so far fetched from that. And by the way, like people accepting awards for their diversity and inclusion efforts who literally have no clue mm. what that actually means. Every time I walk on a set, somebody, see, this is, people have to understand. There's people in Hollywood in their offices that are executives and showrunners. They usually don't leave the studio. But then the set is somewhere completely different. It's usually in Canada or some other location, right? The people in LA make a choice and they're very hip. They said they're very inclusive. They have like, you know, whoa, we almost have, you know, half women, half men, and blah, blah, blah. They make the whole stuff. They send us in there on the set, which is a whole different, it's like literally the difference between Washington or the Pentagon and a battlefield somewhere. That's the difference between LA and a, and a set. So they sent us in there, you walk on set, a half of the crew thinks, oh, here comes affirmative action, okay? <laughs> and mark my word, it is not pretty. It is not pretty. I mean, essentially you have people, all, almost everybody in every department wants to direct in TV, okay? So that's their goal to become a director. So you walk on set, somebody spreads the rumor that you were only hired because, well, th this is always the rumor because mm -hmm. they haven't seen any women. They haven't seen any people of color. So now they're seeing us more, oh, affirmative action, right? So so we all uh, absolutely are always undeserving in everybody's mind, okay? So we walk on set and somebody's there who's been like, trying to get on the list to get an episode this season and there's many of them every like you know the dp the stunt curtain everybody wants to have an episode so they're on these lists and they don't get it this season guess whose fault it is it's mine you know right. and so and that's the atmosphere you walk into it is almost it, it's it's unbelievable and nobody wants to hear or talk about that they just like you know the guy in la just accepts his award because oh he's mr diversity now he doesn't care he's not on set you know <laughs> it's oh, it's man. really unbelievable they have no they have no clue and then i have to like and this is by the way not only me i talk to a lot of other women i talk to a lot of people of color who've just now since there's been more noise been pushed in by the way, we're all pros. We all should have had this work because we're good. Like I did everything right. I started my whole career with an Oscar nomination on a film that I did all by myself, okay? Like th there's nothing in our resume that spells we didn't deserve it. On the contrary, all our resumes say is like, where the fuck was this person, okay? Right. So, but th that's not how we're treated. We're always treated as in like, you know, oh, this is a big risk every single time, okay? Now I'm walking on a hostile set. Imagine how that is. I already know that everybody's scared that I fuck it up for some reason, okay? <laughs> N never mind I was nominated for an Oscar for a 40-minute film about the boxer, but you think I'm going to fuck up your TV show Ooh. that has... That has like a hundred <laughs> times more money than I am. But so I walk in, I already know they're all scared. I'm always a risk, okay? We all are. And in a hostile crew, do you know what that does to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's brutal. It's brutal. And it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it seems to me I'm the only person who is like waving their hand going, yo. Uh, right, there's something <laughs> wrong here. Hello. Yeah. 
you know, everybody else is scared and I don't blame them. I can literally, I can literally feel how I'm losing one job after another mm. right now because I'm just that, that person that's, that's loud about things. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't blame the others for not, not speaking out, but it's starting to become a real issue. Yeah. That's, you know? that's difficult. And I will say that us as listeners, us as supporters, people who, who watch your work, like you have so much love and support from so many people across. And I know the love and support doesn't pay the bills necessarily, but please do know that, that, that we are behind you and that you, you know, do have a support system within us. It's really true. Real. I get the most, I get the most lovely. I mean, Twitter really has like saved me to be honest. Mm. Uh, also I block a lot of people. Good. You're using it right. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I mean, I, I, I literally the other day I had a direct message uh, from somebody who just said, look, I get the feeling that you get a lot of resistance for who you are. And I just want to tell you that I appreciate you. And it almost made me bored because it was just a day where I heard that I didn't get a certain job because of a bad reference. We, and we can never find out who it is, which means somebody somewhere on some crew said that I suck and there's nothing you can do about it. It doesn't even matter that every showrunner will say that my episodes are the best. If if like literally that like one person on set, like a head of department that another person knows says, oh, yeah, no, you don't want to hire. No, no, don't touch that. Like, that's it. That will ruin you. OK, you're done. You're not getting the job. And, um, you know, you know how hard it is to be liked by everybody, especially when you're an outspoken activist. So on that day, when I found that out, somebody sent me that message and it meant the world to me. Even now with all these Batman lists, I would never do Batman. Okay, I'm smarter than that. I'm not walking, <laughs> in, I'm not walking into that situation, but oh, it means job. the world to me. It means the world that people are like, and, and I don't even retweet them because I think it's probably kind of, I don't want to come off like a show off, you know. But when I do retweet some of them, the reason I retweet it is really to show off them. I just don't know if it comes off like that. But I wanted to show, like, here's all this. And by the way, at least 90% guys, young guys, who mm. say, we want her to be the director of Batman. What I want to retweet them for is is to show other people, look, these are guys, you know, like, they, they're cool about women directors. They don't see gender. They, you know, Patton Oswalt once said to me, he said, you know, you know, nerds don't really care who's directing it. They could have a sock puppet directing it <laughs> if, if that sock puppet gets the character right. Yes. They don't care who it is. And I, I thought that was the best thing I ever heard. Yeah. And I feel that. I feel that on Twitter. Like, there's a lot of young guys who don't care what gender I am or if I'm, you know, not white or whatever, you know. They really don't care. Um, but... I don't know how I get my industry to see that, but I, I do wow. want to say to all your listeners that it does mean the world to me. And I see it all. If I don't retweet it, it's only because I feel like I come off like an asshole, you know? <laughs> Listen, you are like the best. I want you on my debate team, my debate team that doesn't exist. You're on there. You're the captain. I need you. I need you. I need you. One 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 thing I wanted to to, to address to you or ask you considering all of these different projects you've done, do you have a preference whether you prefer TV or film? At this point, TV for sure. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, um, I'm now working on something which I'm super excited about. You know, it's funny. Hollywood is such a dark hole most of the time. It's really sometimes like you landed in hell and you have to fight your way through <laughs> it, right? Yes. <laughs> and especially if you do have any kind of moral campus, it's really hard. And 
I mean, there was a time, and it's not too long ago, where I was literally like two inches from quitting. I was like, what am I doing here? You know, mm. you know, I'm Arab. I, I could, I, I literally did this seminar where I did this like six week course in Washington about uh, conflict zone reporting. I was ready to leave. I'm like, I speak all these languages. I should be out there being a war zone reporter. Though I do have to say, I'm not sure with, because I do write screenplays, right? And fiction. Yes. yes. <laughs> like, you know, I gotta make sure I stick to the truth. <laughs> but <laughs> I was ready to go out there. I was like, "Fuck!" I go to fucking crisis zones. I don't give a shit. You know, um, and and you know, I'll, that's that's my next career. That's what I do. And something always pulls me back. And the last time I was really in a dark place, and it's not too long ago. Actually, as a matter of fact, I think I just tweeted about it. Um, mm-hmm. My friend uh, Scott Derrickson, who is the director of Doctor Strange, um who I know had his own issues with, you know, whitewashing a role, but he knows all about that. And I think he's one of the really, <laughs> listen, he's one of the only directors who got, had really beat up. He got really beat up. And all he ever did is like, I'm listening. I've learned from this. Tell me more mm-hmm. about this. That's more than any of these other schmucks did. I still remember Ridley Scott saying, well, I can't cast <laughs> Mohammed so-and-so. Remember right. Oh. When he said yeah. for, um, it was Egypt, right? The God of Egypt. Exactly. Oh, my yeah. God. No, it was not God's of Egypt. It was like Noah. No, or something. no yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and well, Scott did great. not do that. You know, Scott was caught off guard because he, he really thought that by casting a woman, he was doing the right thing. And, and he just didn't know. He didn't know that, no, casting a white woman is not a good thing <laughs> to erase an Asian character, okay? But he learned from this and he was apologetic and he... I mean, he really did everything you can do other than recasting, which was not in his hands, okay? Right. Um, and, and I have to also say this, though. So when I talk to him, sometimes I get this, like, from diversity activists, do you know what he did? I'm like, I do know what he did, okay? I, I do know. But I tell you this, if it hadn't been for him, I probably wouldn't be a director anymore. He's really pulled me out of this and said, you know what, Lexi, you are so much different than anybody else. You are a great director. You're really good at what you do. But you also have this sense of responsibility to speak out about these issues. He said, maybe you just can't be a regular director, open assignment director. Maybe you can't just go to these places where you know you're running into resistance. I mean, it's like throwing you into a pit, basically. You know, like it's, he said, here's what I'm going to do. I produce any show you want to do. And, you know, that's a huge commitment. First of all, Mm. he's at the top right now of his, his career. Everybody wants to be in business with, and he doesn't have to do that. That That's not a, an outcome for him like where, you know, he can do a million things right now. All doors are open. But he's literally checking on me every day saying, how's your soul today, my friend? Are, are you riding? You know, how are you coming along? And, you know, you don't find people like that in Hollywood. No. He's very, very unique and he's been an incredible friend. And, you know, I think he's kind of ushering me into, you know, let's do TV, but let's do it on your terms. Mm. And so I'm writing and it's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking on that and what you're doing next, it was, there was word out on the street that you were doing a picture on Chris Benoit. It is. I have committed to that movie. Um, You have. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was actually, that was actually all over the news, all over the trades. It was, it was one of the first movies I said yes to in a long time. A funny story. They had sent me the script and apparently I ignored it. Um, 
<laughs> I, you know, it, there's a lot of feature scripts that come my way and I, I don't read them for, for many reasons. Look, the feature business is just, especially in that range um, of budget, it's very difficult for so many reasons. Like if you don't have the right marketing behind it and P&A, it's very hard to have a success. And when you do a movie that's not a success, like, for example, Punisher in the box office, nobody asks later, oh, was that marketed wrong? Did that come out at the wrong time? Did they put enough posters up? Did they have enough trailers out? And hey, did it become a cult movie later? Nobody cares. The director goes into director's jail. A woman of color goes into director's jail about fucking 50 times as long as anybody else, right? right. So I wasn't going to touch that ever again. Uh, I really wasn't. Um, and I, unless, see, when you do a Marvel movie or you do a Star Wars movie or something like that, that's a different story because none of them are going to lose money. You know, like, for example, Suicide Squad. I don't know a person who likes that movie. <laughs> I really don't. But that movie didn't <laughs> lose money. That no, movie did not, not lose money. And so, and good for him, you know, he's going to continue to do stuff. But in our profession, we are only, we are only judged based on, did your movie make money or not? And the risk to me in that mid-range budget is, is too much. I, I can't take it, you know. I'm not ever, after Punisher, going to trust a marketing department, you know, that they will do the right thing, especially because Punisher did turn into such a massive, massive DVD and streaming hit. So I do know they messed it up um, because it became more than cult. I see the residual checks, right? They, it became more than cult. It was a big deal. But they they messed me up and I suffered for it. Nobody, nobody fired the marketing guy, but I, you know, you, didn't get... You had you know, the cause of everything wrong. Like, it's always your fault. Every, everything, right? <laughs> So, but on the other hand, like, look, if you have a hit, you, you also get all the credit as a, as a director. So you sure. kind of, you go with it. But, um, you know, that's why to me, movies, unless they belong to a big, big brand like Marvel or like DC or Star Wars kind of, it's difficult for me to commit to it. So I ignored it, especially the like, oh, it's not even at the studio. You know, I wasn't having it. But then my friend TJ Storm who played McGindy in Punisher. McGindy? Mm. Remember? He calls me up and he says, look, my f I train, he's also martial artist. He says, I train yeah. with these guys and they've sent you a script. They think you're perfect for it, but you never looked at it. So now I have to look at it because it's TJ, right? <laughs> they called you out. <laughs> so I said, okay, okay, I read it. So I read it. And by the way, I'm not into wrestling. Okay. I, I, I as a martial artist myself, I always thought that was a weird sport. I'm like, what, what, oh, you, what, what, what are they doing? <laughs> no, I was like, what are they doing? Are they playing or are they not playing? How can they be constantly injured when they're actually fake punching? See, it's confusing to me why they do fake punches right. that are clearly fake punches, but then they really hit each other over the, the head with chairs. I'm with so chairs? <laughs> Lexi, Lexi, okay. it's not fake, it's scripted. It's a difference. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, like, if, if it's scripted, okay, script the fucking real punching. There it's you go. It's not as damaging as a chair over your head, you <laughs> lunatics. But they like, they like, they have no problem. And you know, this kills me because I was also a stunt woman and I choreographed fights. So, like, can you not fucking miss a punch by ten feet? You know, like this kills me when I watch this. But then they really hit the chair over the head. Yep. So it's it's yeah. always been oddly confusing. 
you know, but I read the script and the script is about so much more. Obviously, this yes, was a yes. man who was who's known to be the nicest guy in the business. He had to work the hardest. He was five, eight compared to everybody who was like oh. six foot five. Right? Mm -hmm. There was and he worked and worked and worked and worked and literally like there wasn't a fan who had a bad thing to say. He always had time and he turns into this murderer who yeah. murdered his own kids and murdered his old wife. And when you look at the journey, and this, I'm fascinated by this because you can actually turn your brain into a murder machine. You and, and it happens all the time to soldiers, happens all the oh, yeah. time to football players. Why is there so much domestic violence in football? I know why it is, you know. It, it, there's always a reason behind it. You can turn your brain against you. And he, my God, he did it on all levels. He really did. And it wasn't just him. You know, it, it was like people ignoring x-rays that they saw yes. where his brain like was smashed, you know, and, you know, the business people in in, in the wrestling, world, right? Yeah. yeah, they 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 don't care. I mean, there's so much physical trauma, emotional trauma that happens, especially the more popular you are as a wrestling star, the worse off it is for you lots of times. That's why nowadays you'll have these main stars that push back a lot more because they don't want to end up in that position again. Right, exactly. And I think there's a big lawsuit against them right now, too. And, you know, I now, of course, once I love the script, and by the way, the wife is written so beautifully in it. I really related to how she picked up, she had this instinct, because, you know, the, where I still teach self-defense and hand-to-hand -hand combat, I, I volunteer at a domestic, uh, at women's shelters, so victims mm -hmm. of domestic violence. So I've done this for years. It's the one thing that I will not quit and I will always have time for. And there's a very specific way you have to deal with victims of domestic violence. Um, and one of them is to like re basically uh, um, recreate their instincts um, and make sure they trust their own instincts again. And if they do end up in that situation again, which many of them do, that they know when it's time to get out, you know, you know, when they feel it and not be in any way convinced the other route. Um, and so that's what we work most on. So while we're teaching hand-to-hand -hand compact, we're also trying to get, um, they are mostly women, so I'm going to say women, women to trust their instincts. And this script really portrayed beautifully how she had this instinct, yeah. but her, their backstory of him being such a nice guy in the beginning and certainly much nicer than the guy she left for him okay um so he was like the guy who saved her from the guy who was that kind of you know dodgy guy she couldn't rewrite the story in her head mm. he had changed so much but her instincts were constantly overruled by a memory of a different man and that's what i really related to in the script um so there's a lot of that and so once i said yes to it um, we, I actually did some research and I went to some wrestling matches and now I'm starting to get a lot more into what, what it is actually about, like, you know, how much it is about, uh, really show, are you a showman and can you sell yeah. a show and, yeah. um, how you have to make up for it. If you are not the greatest actor, if you don't have the most charm of all, you have to make up for it by yeah. getting on a six foot ladder and crash a chair over your own head exactly you know? exactly Lo lovely wow. observation that's exactly what it is <laughs> yeah 
I get it now. I get it. And I also get uh, what, what I really picked up now and uh, is this this kind of need for them to stay in whatever league they are or if they, you know, actually made it into the wrestling federation, like they really want to stay. Then there's constant. And I do feel that because I made it onto the national karate team. And my God, every year you were sweating that this was the year you were not going to make it. Okay, wow. This was a big, big deal, big pressure in every sport. If you have a, any kind of like top league, you not being chosen is the utmost horrible tragedy that could happen to you if your life if your whole identification is based on a sport and um, I could really relate to the fact that he did not you know want to do anything that could compromise his position you know in the in the, in the federation mm. well Lexi I gotta tell you like I said before and like Tatiana said before you know, before we ever had you on the show, before I even knew that you were the film director, Lexi Alexander, I just knew you were fire on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I just, that's why I first started following you. Then I was like, oh, okay, this is this is. But I just want to thank you. Like Tatiana said, you know, all of us fan bros worldwide want to thank you because it just means a lot for people to be out there and fighting this fight, especially like you said earlier, that we're living in a very different time right now. And so it's just But really fuck, now wonderful. we live in the world time what the heck happened <laughs> We're this is what, let me tell you something this is even more of a reason why the punisher shouldn't be white anymore don't you agree <laughs> no, i agree totally agree. Yes. Totally agree you brought that up earlier and I, I like i said i never considered that he shouldn't be but now i'm just like oh and it's you know too late for that one but well um, but he could be the next time there's always denzel washington <laughs> i mean do you remember <laughs> yes. the man, well, on fire? man on fire yeah i was just gonna say yeah. Yeah, and also equalizer. Equalizer is pretty much the Punisher. He's right. really the Punisher. He just right. doesn't have the stroll on his chest. But either so, way, you know, you know I mean, yeah. like I said, like I mean, I don't see uh, any of these characters. If you have a character who is that much on the edge of like, uh, you know, he really kind of oversteps the law. Honestly, I, 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 it just makes me very uncomfortable, especially with this fuck nugget uh, president we have right now. <laughs> I love I you, probably, Lexi. You're great. I should. Tatiana, am I following you on Twitter? Oh, please follow me. I will send you <laughs> my stuff. Okay, well, you have to holler at me, and everybody else who's listening to this podcast should holler at me, and I follow you back. Aww, oh, thank you. All right, well, Lexi, you have survived the interview segment of Fan Bro Show. I mean, not survived. You have murdered. Yeah, she, the she, she clearly <laughs> has destroyed it. Yeah, and. <laughs> Now time for the rap segment, our rapid fire questions. We have Lexi Alexander here. Are you ready? Yes, go for it. <laughs> Not even scared, yo. Like everyone, we say that because everyone is scared when we bring this up, and and you're like, okay, what do you want? Just just bring it in. <laughs> hey, yeah, go for it. All right, off the bat, Luke Cage or Black Panther? Uh, Black Panda. Okay. The Wire or Breaking Bad? The Wire. <laughs> okay. Magneto or Professor X? <gasps> Professor X. Wow. You know, that's a rare that one. Rare. I, I would have yeah. thought you would have been more than Magneto, mm. you know. <laughs> but, okay. Is he, right. is he too much? Is he too much? <laughs> like, is he too he violent? Is, yes. <laughs> I like Professor X. Just a fan. He's more rational, mm. huh? Mm -hmm. um, Lex Luthor or Dr. Doom? Uh, woo. 
Doctor Doom. I don't like either, really, to be honest. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, all right. Terminator or Commando? Oh, Terminator. Wow, all right, all right. Aliens or Predator? Ah! Ooh. Aliens. <laughs> I said that with a very big accent. Aliens. <laughs> Sorry. That was like a mishmash of languages right there. Aliens. <laughs> no, that's great. That's fine. Yep. All right. The big one. Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, yeah. Uh, what, what phase are we talking about? Uh, uh, I'm going to have to say Star Wars. <laughs> Yes. Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. All right. What is your favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Uh, Blade. All right. All right. And what character death struck you the worst in any medium, in comics, film, TV, books? Like the worst? Yeah. Yeah, like when somebody died, what what hurt your heart? Oh, you mean what? Uh, like who a, died? And oh, oh, like a character oh. that has died in in like a film or even a song or a movie or whatever uh, TV show that really really hurt your heart. A book. Oh boy! Oh my God! Jesus Christ! Mm, let's see. Um... <sighs> Oh, that's a tough one. That is a tough now, one. Now I'm completely blank and I cry about this. I cry about this shit all the time. Um, it, I mean, it could be a comic. We've heard things like Bambi, Bambi's mom. No, no. We've heard really little things like that. We've heard very big things like people who died on a wire. Like, it could be anything. Oh man, you know what? I th this is rough for me. You know, the the only I know there must be something in my con conscious that I'm going to regret not thinking of right now because I'm really blanking. The, I can tell you the latest the latest one is I saw this movie Lion which I think should win all the awards. Mm, Have you yes. seen it? No, I haven't got to see it, but I know oh, but yeah. I, was, I loved it so much. Um okay. um but Okay, so I can't give it away, though. Yeah. <laughs> but there, but there's but something it, happening in that movie. Well, it turns out... No, I can't even say that. Uh, but yes, there's a certain fact that comes out about something that really got me upset. And for three days, I was asking, well, why didn't say more about how this happened? Anyway, I can't... I'm going to blow it. But yeah, basically, that, okay. that, that would be it right now. But I'm going to like tweet that back at you because I know I'm going to think of it at 3 a.m. Like, fucking hell, that's what... <laughs> That's okay. Let us know. We'll definitely add it on. Okay. No problem. Uh, here's a quick easier one. Uh, Superman or Batman? <laughs> See, they messed us up with all these new Superman and Batmans, didn't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You could choose Batman. which version. I, I would say Batman. Batman it yeah. is. Why yeah. is Superman too too good? Well, it's just like now I have all that last stuff in my head and it just messes me up, right? <laughs> oh. It's all upside down, you know? That's excellent. That's excellent. Okay. And if you can have any one superpower, what would it be? Um, I would make people see their privilege. Ooh. Ooh. Make privilege visible for people. Oh. Messing up and done. Like, oh, how do you top that? 
Like, so we just became 2017. Like, you got, you can't make it hard for the rest of our guests for the year. Like, <laughs> you know, I just tweeted that the other day. It just came to me. Like, it's the one wow. thing that I think that would be a cool superpower. Like, mm. you know, like you could point at them and they would have, like, be like surrounded in this big brown cloud that represents their privilege <laughs> or wow. something like that. Yeah. Wow. 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 Well. Lexi, thank you for, I mean, just thank you so much for joining us here on Fan Bro Show. Please let the internets know where they can find you at. Oh, um, uh, at Lexi Alex on the Twitter. That's really all I do. I don't do Facebook or anything else because I can barely function on the, um, <laughs> yes, at Lexi Alex. And, you know, you guys have to have me back, okay? Yes, yes. we would love to have you back, especially if you come through to New York. We'd love to have you in studio. <gasps> Yes. All right. Yes, please, please. Mm. Beautiful. We'll be right back with more Fan Bros Show. Hey, everyone. This is Carla Perez. I play Rita Repulsa on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in the 90s. Hey, what's up? This is Samus. This is Nikki Phillips. And this is Stacey Strobel. Yo, this is Carly Hustle. Hey, what's up? This is Jamila from Girl Gone Geek. Hi, my name is Roxanne Gay. Hey, this is the Shameless Maya. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Maya G. Hi, this is Reagan Gomez. Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood superhero, Jean Grey. Hi, this is Lola Ogunike. My name is Jamie Broadnax from Black Girl Nerds. Hi, guys, it's Alfred Woodard. And when you're not in a lotus position eating quinoa or, like, rapping to your, your bae, you should be listening to fan bows. No, I said fan bows. Okay, hang on. And welcome back, Internets. And, you know, before we go any further, bitch, shout-outs. Thank you. Thank you to Lexi Alexander for joining us. For incredible. I mean, fire, top five, dead or alive interview you just heard Wig right there. snatched. I mean, blown back, you know, fire. <laughs> just, oh, She blew your back out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like, oh, you know, just... Ooh, no, that was fire, mind. though. They that was fire. Mind right there, because Lord three. Have mercy. Yes. Top three. Ooh, ooh, you know, but ooh, we're done with that. But we got more fire for you. And, you know, some of that fire might sound a little something like this. The guac is extra. Mm-hmm. And what we got up first, Tatiana? Over on the Twitters, from here to infinity, they write, can you name three projects from any medium that have changed your life or how you view the world. Mm-hmm. And wow. I mean, I could easily name a million projects, mm-hmm. but the very first one, of course, is Star Wars, you know, which changed everything for me. It just, you know, it basically mm-hmm. framed and defined how I view life for a long time. And then after that, I had to say, and sadly, it's so relevant right now, and that's why it changed my life, is when I read uh, Fahrenheit 451, I do mm. yeah, I always get the number wrong, but I think I got it right this time. Then when I read that in, like, middle school, you know, and it was just one of those moments, you know, I was always a very woke child, that's the problem, like, I was always very aware of worldly things, I grew up at a time, you know, when nuclear war was a pop uh, option, or, you know, a 
chance. And so I was just aware of these things. Mm. And so I read Fahrenheit 451, which basically features a future at that time where people are just locked into their televisions. Everyone has televisions that are co- cover their whole walls. They never leave the house. They don't read. They just watch television. They get all their information from television. Reading is, in fact, outlawed. You know, books are burned. That's the title yeah. of the thing, Fahrenheit 451. And the hero rebels against it. And it just show, you know, forecasts so many things that we have right now, like people using reality TV, like the OJ chase, where people are seeing something happening as it's happening and then running out and interfering it like they were going out and showing signs to OJ. And <laughs> it's all these different things that, you know, the dude wrote this back in the 40s. So it's just so far ahead of its time. And it just really made me like, wow, OK, this is the world we're living in. And as, you know, time has advanced, it's just gotten more and more relevant. And it just really bugs me out. And, you know, it just, uh, I, I don't want to say depresses me, but it does, <laughs> you know, hurt on a level. And it's, you know, books like that, Animal Farm, um, what's the other one? Brave New World that are just, and they, it's not something a kid should read. I really get mad that they really had kids. Had it in the school for you. <laughs> They just knew you was going to find it. Oh, no, no. It's one thing. It's something that we were forced to read. That was like the book. Oh, it was part of the curriculum. Yeah. Holy shit. That's a different Texas. (laughs) Yeah. but That's a totally different Texas. Word it is. But that's one of those things that it's like, because you read that, you know, it's like, I mean, not every kid reacted to it the same way I did, obviously. But I was like, right. You probably didn't even understand it. Half them. Yeah. Me. I was like, oh, we're screwed. Oh, what about you, Tatiana? (laughs) You're such an, uh, an uplifting child. Optimist is what I like to call myself. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> well, for me, uh, we talked about, he said it could be any medium. So I had two definites, and the third is kind of nebulous. The first, I said Star Trek. Star Trek, th- that's the reason why, again, I'm not a Star Wars hater. I love Star Wars. I'm a big Star Wars fan now. But Star Trek is what, helped shape my very personality mm-hmm. from the personality in terms of being a futurist, being a, being a debater, being a, a truth seeker, being a traveler like that, those parts of it, that's something that definitely melded with me. Then on top of that, because I was already very into engineering and space and technical things like to see all that future tech on the show, that did something for me that, that, that every time I saw that a light bulb went off in my head and that's how I knew that that was my world. So that's Star Trek. Next, I would say Kindred by Octavia Butler. That was the, one of the very first early on science fiction books I've ever read in my life. I think I was in middle school when I first read it. It was a little, I've always been very high level reader. So it was a little bit higher than the level of the stuff that they really wanted us to read but i didn't care i was i was mm. like yo science fiction that shit is that shit is hot and then to find out that it was i mean on the cover that i had it was a black woman but to find mm-hmm. out that it was a black woman that wrote it mm-hmm. like that that did something within me and i'm already a, a writer myself so to see that hey i could combine the two things i love the most or the two mm-hmm. things that come easiest to me the most and and make some art out of it so that really spoke to me. And then the third, I mentioned is Nebulous because it it it's around the like comic comics book uh, cartoon slash anime. Because the 
well, I mean, it's a lot. It's everything. There's a lot of it. Oh, okay. And, and, I get you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. It I can't. It changes every day. Yeah, it changes every day. And I can't split it anywhere. So I'll just call animation. I'll say animation's my third one. Like, when it comes to, again, anime itself, Japanese anime, comic book um, animation, t- uh, comic book cartoons, like it's on the WB, shit like that. Like, that again that's why i'm on this show <laughs> that is was my world that is still my world and okay that those are my answers for the for the three things that shaped me wow those are great and i also would add like you said i would also add the same thing i would also say comic books and even just sci-fi in general and yeah. fantasy in general because both of those things were just my life growing up and then even referring to Octavia Butler, uh, Parable of the Sower is the one that just, it's right up there with Fahrenheit 451. Mm. I read it a little later in life, but it was one of them things where I was like, oh, fuck. You know, <laughs> like, it was just like, like oh. Child. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it wasn't because it's just Parable of the Sower is so close to our reality right now that it is... It's just, it's not disheartening. It gives you hope because Parable of the Sower does give you a lot of hope, you know, mm. but it's also made you, you know, it has made you aware of what's going on and how you have to stand up and fight against these things every day of your life because otherwise these things will overtake. And, you know, if you don't fight, you have to be the sower, basically. You know, like the Parable of the Sower, you have to be that in, yeah. in your own life. So, that's another one. And shouts to Octavia Butler. I mean, we could do a whole show on her, on her easily. We might have to do that sometime soon. But we also have from Big Kim Dude, a.k.a. Big Kim Brown. Do you think Watch Dogs 2 isn't doing as well because the main character is black and smart? Ouch. Uh, well, interestingly, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you'll have some stuff to say about this, me, but interestingly... Our very own Mellow Marketer, he dropped a piece on Watch Dogs 2. It was a review piece, and, and he also put in his own personal uh, kind of editorial spin on it as well. But he put up a piece on fanbros.com a few months back about Watch Dogs 2. So it, I would definitely invite you guys to check it out because there's some interesting stuff in there. And that it's also a great answer to this question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but- <laughs> I, would, I would say no. Because it's been proven, you know, throughout, like with uh, like Fast and the Furious, with the upcoming Black Panther, you know, that these when projects feature people of color, they make money. Mm-hmm. But the difference being here, it happened to a lot of games this year. The second outing, even when they were made better than the first, like Titanfall 2 was a flop. And from what I've heard, Titanfall 2 bangs on the original. You know, and I loved the original, but I never bought Titanfall 2 because I just, I was like, uh, you know, I was already playing Overwatch. I was playing other games and I was just like, uh, I don't, I'm good, you know. And so I just never copped it. And I I saw people talking about that with a lot of sequels this year. I'm not sure what the other one was, but I know Watch Dogs fell to this victim. I'm not sure Witcher 3 is from last year, but that was like game of the year and it popped off. Yeah, but but yeah. so was, what's his face is from last, start, uh, launch last year too, Watch Dogs. So Watch Dogs 2, so. No, Witcher 3 is like 2015 though. It's like the end of it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. before last year. Yeah, so Damn, 2016 it's been two was years. bad. It was, yeah, it was bad for the sequels. I know that. It was like Watch Dogs yeah. 2 and um titanfall 2 and something else just flopped because people just weren't interested in it anymore or they felt like yeah. the first one they didn't give them enough i mean and that's that's what there's actual data that expresses that just the fact that even ubisoft before it dropped they warned their own investors that 
the sales were going to be weaker than they expect. So they knew what was happening based on data. This was this to me. This had nothing to do with the with the main character being black. You the thing about why people ask that question is you saw some type of little bit of backlash, but you also got to understand you saw that in the bubble of Twitter or you saw that yes. in the bubble of face of Facebook. And and believe you me, it doesn't matter. If there's a billion people on Facebook. Everyone's in a bubble of about twenty people max. So. Yeah. You saw it a lot in your own personal bubble, but if you looked at it in the general mainstream world, I guess, it wasn't really talked about in that manner. No one was talking about the fact that he was black and, oh, it was a big deal. No one really was talking about that. What they was talking about was the fact that they didn't trust this franchise after the first one was so, it was so, like, so much anticipation for it that when it came out, it kind of came out like, oh, this is what y'all gave us? Like, this is what y'all hyped us off of? Off of, so... People, the people already had a bad taste in their mouth going into this and they weren't quite trusting. So from Jump Street, half the people that was on Watch Dogs 1 didn't even want to try Watch Dogs 2. Mm-hmm. They didn't think Ubisoft learned their lesson or, or did it right. So a lot people was just going into this pessimistically regardless. And yeah. if you want to say some people dropped off because of the race of the character, may, sure, maybe, but it wasn't the majority. And I'm sure more jumped on because of the race of the character. Right, because they're like, oh, what's this about? Let me let me check it out. Yeah, I had no interest in playing the first Watch Dogs, but I definitely want to play Watch Dogs 2. Like I said, I just picked up Witcher 3 recently, so I'll wait for a while for a game. That's the other thing. You know, I might be playing something else where I'm like, nah, I don't, got, I don't have time for it. Witcher 3 is like 10 years long. I barely have time for anything <laughs> else trying to play that damn game. It's 10 years long. Yo. <laughs> Oh, shout out to your boy Dandelion. Took me forever to find that dude. My God. Did a dime trying to play. Oh, <laughs> I was mad when I found him. Like, jeez, oh, bro. But yeah, no, I don't think it had anything to do with that at all. But definitely a great question, you know. But uh, nah, I got to disagree, <laughs> my brother, on nah, this. Nah, bruh. So as always, you know, sending your questions to contact at fanbros.com. Or you can hit us on Twitter at Fanbros Show. But, you know, some other things popping this week is, as always, the hotness coming out of Tech Talk with Tatiana. Uh, are you talking about tech news? I am talking about tech news. Of course you're talking about tech news because yes. I, some really interesting things happening today. Um, the big one, the biggest one that I don't want to go all the way into because you're going to see it a million times already is, um, Oculus, Oculus Rift is going to have to pay up 500 million. <laughs> this million. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's Facebook and you can never tell what's going on with this company when it comes to proprietary information, when it comes to whether or not you're, you're sharing or secrets or stealing information. But um, yeah, you're going to see it on your timeline. I'm not going to go too much into it. Um, also, Ben, I mean, you were telling me about this. So apparently there's an Overwatch scandal. Apparently there is. And, you know, as everyone knows, I'm a big fan of Overwatch. They just dropped the latest update a couple of days ago that fixed Roadhog's hook, did a few other things. The game is just popping, as always. You know, oh, yeah, it's the Chinese New Year edition right now that's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, they just had the Winter Wonderland, and now they've gone to that with a bunch of new skins, etc. But speaking of skins, 
you know. Oh, week, no. <laughs> yeah. Well done, right? Oh, no. This week, reports out of South Korea have two players on the esports team Lunatic, Lunatic High. I love that name. That's awesome. Lunatic High at the center of a scandal. <laughs> Basically, the name of the sports team is Lunatic High. Okay. Yes, yes. H A I, Lunatic High. Oh, Lunatic High. Okay. Yeah, yep. And so, what basically happened is that, you know, a couple of players got accused of, you know, getting down with some of their fans, you know, in the mortal words of Ghostface Killer, you goddamn right. You know, and they said, nah, that didn't happen at all. You know, none of that was going down. But of course, there's this thing called receipts and pictures. And pictures surfaced of them with these same fans. So basically, you know, there's, there's a little question. There, there's it's, yeah. This is so funny to me because in, in a different space, everyone would be like, who? What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in another space, these guys are superstars, obviously. And, you know, when they get back to the hotel lobby, it's like being rock stars. You know? Holy shit. I mean, I mean they do get paid like big money. Big money. Esports is big money. No joke money. No joke. I mean, stupid money. So they they both, you know, issued apologies, of course, talking about how they hurt their fans. They're sorry. You know, they're just like that pastor out there who was, you know, preaching about how, you know, whatever, whatever, please forgive. No, actually, God forgave me. So the rest of y'all should forgive me for sleeping with one of the parishioners. (laughs) We were both married, but, you know. Oh, oh no! No! no. 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 <laughs> I don't know how we went from that, but yeah, it's popping in South Korea, folks. And you know, you know what else is popping? That's right. Mm-hmm. It's comics. I hopped. Yeah. Echo. <laughs> yeah, that reverb always in your yeah. ear hole. Bitch out to Dallas Penn. And this week, not too much going on in comments like cop. You know, for me, it was definitely a huge week because Invincible and Walking Dead both dropped. And this month, as part of Image's 25th anniversary, I do believe it is, and they're talking about the next 20 years of comics or 20th anniversary, whatever it is, they're doing big things, and they're talking about the next 20 years. And to celebrate, Invincible and Walking Dead are both 25 cents this month. So you know, Wow. Yeah. Going to the like store. two five cents, wow. like a quarter, you know. A quarter. Wow, okay. Yeah, I just didn't expect it. you to say that number. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, because comics are usually at four dollars. So, nah, this month both of them are twenty five cents. I also think Robert Kirkman's other title is Outcast, and that's twenty five cents as well. Walking Dead and Invincible are both also great issues this month. Like, I mean, Invincible is ending. There's now going to be 12 more issues from the next issue. This actually leads into the end of Invincible. But Walking Dead will keep going on for a long time. And both of them great issues this month. I really can't even reveal much about Invincible. It was a very heartbreaking issue. Let me just say that. Like, it was mm. definitely... For fans of the series who've been reading for a long time, it's it's going to hurt, kids. Like... I'm going to let y'all know, you know, if you just got on Vincible and you've been reading through it, it's going to hurt you all through it. But this one's going to hurt, too. Also, the Unstoppable Wasp second issue dropped. I, you know, raved about the first issue. The second issue features one of our favorites at Fanbro show, Moon Girl. So you yes. got to check that out. If you're not reading it already, it features, you know, basically all women, all super intelligent, all dope, all young. 
Just a dope, dope series. Unstoppable Walls from Marvel. Check that out. Speaking of women, you know, Paper Girls also returned this month after a hiatus. It's the first issue in, like, the new arc where, I mean, you know, if you're not reading Paper Girls, Tatiana, like, yo. Read Paper Girls. Like, if you're not reading it, you don't care about yourself and you don't understand self-care because this is this shit is dope. Yes. All right. Did you finish the second trade? Watch it. Read it. I'm. I have not finished the second trade, so don't give away anything. Okay. Not finished it. Well, I'll just say this: at the end of the second trade, the most of the the paper girls find themselves in a new situation. Like if you think it already flipped in the second trade, at the end it's gonna flip again. It flips again, and so now they're in this new situation. And the first issue of this new situation, you know, starts exploring it right away, and it's just dope as hell. Like. You know, DJ Order was on a show recently where he said that Saga is the greatest thing he's ever read and it's written by Brian K. Vaughn, just like Paper Girls. And I don't know at this point which is better right now. Like, both of them are just on fire. Brian K. Vaughn is killing it all around. Read Paper Girls. And that's it for Comments I Cop this week. Awesome, dude. Thank, Thank you, you again Thank you for much. your great great recommendations i have not been a bigger comic book head until <laughs> until fairly recently in my history so thank you very much no problem big shout out to stuff i will because this week she was talking about how i asked her if she read planetary and she was like yeah of course because you're always talking about it and you're always draining my pockets because i'm always trying to buy stuff <laughs> so you know shout out to everyone you know out there who always post the hashtag comments like cop thank you so much for all the love and, you know, thank you for checking out the recommendations and letting me see what you're reading, because that's where I get some of mine from, honestly. So thank you. And in some comic book related news that I'm super hyped for, especially considering this is Black History Month, Black mm -hmm. Panther will feature this huge car crash, car chase sequence shot in South Korea that they're talking about. They're going to feature 150 cars and whatnot. <laughs> Are they trying to top uh, Mad Max? I think they're trying to top the joint in Civil War because that one, like when Black Panther is running down the road and how he keeps up the speed of the cars and then how Captain America jumps out of his car when the car starts flipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the You're just saying they're just trying to top themselves. I mm -hmm. mean, they said the scene is going to have over 700 people, mm. approximately, approximately 150 cars, but also, there is a but also, but also helicopters and guns firing Mm. <laughs> and I wonder, it's like, did they just say it to see who was going to get excited? Like, <laughs> like that's, that's great. Every, right. I'm just like, wow. So it's kind of similar to what you said last week, like about the new Star Wars title. Like you were like, it could be Star Wars, we back. And you still yeah. would watch it. And that's the same thing wow. with Black Panther. It's like people do not understand this. And I've seen people like, oh, why are they releasing it in February? You know, why this, why that? And I'm like, it doesn't effing matter. This joint is going to hit like an atomic effing bomb, Why does it dog. have to release in February? That That's silly. Be, no, people are saying, why Why shouldn't it be a summer bid movie like, you know, something else? Why isn't it like dropping in the middle of summer? One. What? Why can't it be? What? People are just silly, but they don't understand that studios have already figured out that, I mean, not they haven't actually, but they're starting to figure out that it doesn't matter what month you drop a project in, basically, if you drop the hotness, you know, and you promote yeah, it. Yeah, uh, like, everything. 
gone are y'all stuck in the 90s gone are the days where there are deliberate cycles you know what smashed that netflix you know what smashed that hulu Mm -hmm. like all of this stuff that smashed to hell all of those old gates and those old release windows don't believe that shit that shit is mad old both of the Captain Americas released in March and were huge, you know, like, some of the best comic book movies of all time. This, this is just I, coming a month earlier. It's there's no sick. such thing as, like, really an off month. Like, if you're, as Ben, I mean, said, if your shit is fucking hot fire, then you're you're good. And this shit is going to be fucking hot fire. Like, in the story, like, people, I'm not questioning anything. Like you said, they can drop any news from this movie. I'm there day one. I'm bringing family, friends, everybody. We got a fan bro show viewing all that like what <laughs> like come on now Oof. wow yeah and also uh the director of arrival will tackle the dune remake um i really dune hope as Brad in the video game home. no dune as in oh, the, the movie film and book and you know everything else and everything else that came off of that the movie uh yes. book originally i guess is how it all started not i guess yeah it did Listen, I don't know how it started off. I'm just why I didn't. I'm thinking it's all start from a video game, but um, oh, no, how do you feel no. about that? Um, I don't really care. You know, like I I enjoy. I've I've actually tried to read one of the Doom books. It's one of the later ones, and I couldn't get through it. I was reading another one earlier this year or last year actually, and I was actually enjoying it. I've seen the first. I mean, the only film that's been made of it. I know the book is a classic. I know the whole story backwards and forwards about it. And I just, you know, it's like, yeah, whatever. Who, you know, we'll see. Who, uh, I'm, I mean, you don't, you don't have, you don't sound like you have high hopes. Not that I don't have high hopes. I hope they do well, but I just have low interest. Oh, okay. So you kind of don't care. That's what interest. you're saying. Basically. Got it. Yeah, Black Panther. Come <laughs> like, you know, I'm not really worried about Dune. Like, you know, gotcha. Black Panther. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Even though, you know, sadly, you know, the heads of Marvel, I think the head of Disney, the head of Marvel, the weird dude who used to run Marvel films, he left. But the head of Disney is definitely on Trump's inner circle, you know, so like it's tight on you out there, you know, and I want to see Black Panther. Like, you know, I'll bootleg the rest of their joints, but, you know, I got to see Black Panther in the theater. So I get you. Yeah, it's tight. It's tight, folks. Tight, you know. <laughs> but yeah, poof, man. You know, like I said before, this is this, it, it's been you know one for the butts tonight, Tatiana. For sure, I'm, I'm still like I'm. I don't know. I'm in another planet right now. Yeah. So as always, thank you to everyone out there for listening. You know, big shout out to everyone following us on Twitter. You know, please hit us up at Fanbro Show on Twitter on Instagram on all the different social medias out there. You know, we love your comments, all your retweets, everything. You know, we just love it. You know, the comments on the SoundCloud. Make sure you are subscribed to SoundCloud, to iTunes. You know, I got to say, man, a lot of people are like, yo, y'all y'all said a final episode, so I was done. I'm like, yo, y'all ain't subscribed? <laughs> like, you know, because if you, you know. If that, you were subscribed, that, that wouldn't even been a question. Because... Yeah, that wouldn't really bug me out, Tatiana, because I was like, yo, like, you know, dudes were like, oh, I didn't know you were still going. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, well, that's bro. how I know you're not subscribed, because if your ass was subscribed, you subscribe. would have automatically received the new shells. So. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So I, Somebody I, telling I, on themselves. 
he knows somebody. <laughs> I got you, doggy. I, <laughs> I got dirt you. on you, doggy. I see. I see. You. <laughs> no, but we love y'all. We love y'all. Please, yes. But this is serious business. If you want more episodes like what you just heard, if you want us to be able to go to these exclusive ass places and get the real from people, we need your help. We really do. Like y'all don't understand how important y'all are to the very function of this show and everything that we do on the side. As Benami said, subscribe. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, and a whole bunch of other places that you wouldn't even think we were there, but we're there apparently. Yeah, There's so, no excuse. But you know, SoundCloud, available on all your phones, all your apps, all that good stuff. Just hit us up, hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button, leave a comment, tell us what you think, you know, good or bad, it don't matter. We're here for you. You know, for all nerds, fan bros show. Yo, shout out to Chico Leo. Have you, Chico? Fan bros!